Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Marshall, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, sir. I, I love how we always ask that of each other, even though we've been gabbing for about a half hour before we actually hit the record button. But it does sound so professional, doesn't it? It, it does. And and to know that that conversation took place in our green room <laughs> just means that, you know, the consummate professionals we are when we're off stage versus on stage. Right. Yeah, completely different. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. I thought the charcuterie board in the green room today was especially <laughs> delicious. Hats off to the uh, catering staff for our, on our production. I did just have a grilled cheese sandwich, so I am kind of right there with you. Um, but my wife made it, and it was delicious. Anyway, what are we talking about today? What is this? Is this part well, two of a series? Oh, yeah. Part two, the universal leadership qualities, according <laughs> to Socrates, Plato, all these other really cool guys. Right, right. And I, I thought as we sort of ramped up, we, we better give people one more on-ramp into this, uh, this topic before we start going through these uh, eight or so bullet points that, that I uncovered uh, as I was reading The Republic. So, so let me just quickly hit this that, you know, why are we talking about Plato? Uh, why is Plato's book called The Republic, and uh, why do we care? So, so I'm going to try to do this really fast because you know we we need to get to the meat here and and keep this a short episode. But you know, Plato, you know, why Plato? Well, um, let's just put it this way: uh, Socrates tutored Plato, Plato tutored Aristotle, Aristotle tutored Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world and and spread what we would probably now call Western culture, Hellenist culture. Greco-Roman culture, you know, through uh, through all the continents, pretty much, and uh, we we still, in many ways, live in that uh, that that civilization that had its uh, origins in Athens, where uh, where Plato was. So so Plato's a a, a good uh, source for us uh, to talk about a culture that has really lasted, and everybody on this uh, uh, listening audience wants a culture that lasts that's that's the the one thing that i i think is kind of universal for for people that are in our uh uh ecosystem mike is is we want a culture uh that works and lasts and is strong um so plato's good for that oh i i i agree i was a little skeptical at first but but yeah you've you've got me on board here and keep in mind when we say all the people listening we're talking to two people. So <laughs> I keep forgetting that. I'm sorry. That's key. The other thing is, say you don't want to conquer the entire known world. Right, right. Maybe you just want to lead your department or your your your, your work group just a little yeah. bit better. Right? Yeah, and, right? and, and what? All applicable. It, it's all applicable. You know, Peter Drucker supposedly said, uh, I, was, I was just talking with a, a client about this yesterday, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. You've been spending all this time planning and coming up with uh, these these elaborate, uh, you know, uh, strategic planning sessions and so on and so forth. And the, re the real part of the matter is that it's the culture that's going to drive that. Do, you, do your people trust each other enough and buy into the culture enough that they can execute the doggone plan? So so Plato and, and the, the foundations of Western civilization 
are a culture we still live in. If you want a culture that lasts, that eats strategy for breakfast, this is where it's at. And in fact, that's, you know, the lead into the second of the three whys. You know, why is this thing called the Republic? Well, Plato wrote this thing. It's, it's, it's a foundational text for Western civilization. I mean, bar none. Um, he wrote it as if Socrates was having an after-dinner conversation with some students and friends. And what is morality? What is justice is, is the question that they're tossing around. You know, are you really happier if you're a, a moral or, or a just person? And so he says, you know, hey, let's, let's come up with a fictitious city. We'll set all the rules. We'll, we'll come up with a plan for how this city operates and how they educate their citizens and their leaders. And, and let's use that as a model to see how morality, how, how justice works in that system and use it sort of as an analogy for the human being. And so he, uh, he goes into this, uh, I'm painting with the broadest, broadest brushstroke possible, but this Republic that, that they come up with this fictitious city uh, basically has um, a, a philosopher king at its head. And in fact, it, that's sort of the, the connection is that he, he says that's, that's sort of representing your, your rational part, your, your mind. And so the head is a lover of truth, a lover of wisdom, can perceive truth, and is, and is just absolutely the, the right man for the job to run this republic. Um, but he needs people to help him execute that plan and keep, the, uh, keep everybody on track. And so the heart is represented by these guardians who are also well-educated and, and are, are totally bought in. They, they can't be distracted by pleasure or pain to stick with the mind's uh, target, the philosopher king's target. And then that sort of leads you to the third group, which is the rabble, everybody else, all those you know, farmers and you know, uh, pottery makers and so on who are, um, they have appetites, right? And so if you think of it as a, as a person, You've got the head, the heart, and the gut, you know, the, 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 the appetites, uh, whether it's hunger or thirst or sex drive or whatever it is. You know, if you, if you let that rule the day, you're going to go toward pleasure. Uh, you're going to go away from pain, even if it's not the right thing to do. But the head knows what's right, and the heart can be courageous and passionate enough to keep you in that drive. And that's what's going to, uh, you know, the, the, the gut at its best is letting the, the head and heart lead. So um, there are PhDs, you know, that have accidentally tuned in who are rolling over in their chairs right now at how poorly I just described the Republic. But, but that's essentially what we're talking about. The Republic is you. The Republic is, is, is supposed to, to represent us and, and what it looks like to be a moral version of a, of a human, of a, of a person. Well, I think your I think your summary was fantastic, and if we recall the title of our podcast, right, it doesn't take a genius. We're not all that concerned about PhD <laughs> heads exploding. That's, so that's a good. Point. So, so let's dive into universal uh, leadership uh, truth number one. Yeah. So so you know why is this important? We have we have uh, eight characteristics here towards uh, towards the end of the book that uh, describe what he feels like, what Socrates feels like a philosopher king should have. So I'll, I'll read you the short paragraph and, and it'll uh, sort of point the direction here for these first three of, uh, of the eight. He says, uh, and, and this is Socrates speaking. Now on the whole, I went on, the characteristics we should favor ought to remain the same, I suggest. I mean, we should prefer people with a high degree of reliability and courage, and also within reason, people who are very good looking. 
And then he goes on to say that uh, the, that would be a, a person who's good and solid, people that are being good and solid. So these first three have to do with you being good and solid. And today we'll talk about a high degree of reliability. Okay, yeah, when you and when when uh, when you show me the list, right? The first thing I thought of when I thought of high degree of reliability was it's it's the foundational piece of trust. Right. So we we talk about being a trusted leader, being a trusted advisor, being trusted and so reliability, uh, right? This in the simplest terms, it's right, we will we will follow through on what we say we will do. Exactly. And so this exactly. is not it's not it's not this crazy pie in the sky thing it's, it's simply if you want to be thought of as a great leader just follow through on what you said you will do yeah and think how this is you know in in some situations this is life or death right i mean even today the, the word comes from a, a an origin that that sort of means um you know fastened or attached or or gathered together um but but it meant like people gathered together you know like you can just see them like backs against each other fighting off the enemy or you know attacking the woolly mammoth or you know whatever whatever it would be and and even today right we have life or death decisions that are made um at really high levels you know safety recalls that have happened or uh, an emergency room and uh cooperating to to save a patient's life or any number of i mean every client i've ever had has safety issues that are trust factors there's a reliability issue there uh, that that's that's at the core of of what they do um mm -hmm. and and there are some some uh, smaller retail examples i can think of too <laughs> well yeah yeah when you when you say that the, the the first thought that comes to mind is 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 a swat team stacked up on a doorway right so you've got a guy who's in charge of you know the front and you got a guy charged with the left the back and you got a guy who's you know left right and the guy watching the back yep none of it works if any one of them aren't reliable it's a chain right? yeah 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 so so everybody has to be reliable um and so when you when you think about this you know along that same vein there's been some research where where they're trying to figure out okay why do soldiers come back from war with ptsd and some don't and one of the, the the biggest factors that they've discovered is is if they if they were in a unit that was they had high trust and they could rely on each other, very low incidence of PTSD. Is that right? And so if if you were in a unit where you weren't sure if the guy who's standing watch was all that reliable, you could never ever turn your brain off. You could never relax, and then yeah. therefore you were much more likely to come back with issues because you you could never rely on the, the person beside you. And therefore, in a, in a high tense situation like that, massive implications for mental health. So so when you think about, yeah, what are your uh, what are your people spending time and energy on? Right. Or can they rely upon you for for certain things? And and some of these things could just be your demeanor. Yep. Right. I rely on you to come in uh, in the same mindset every single day. Uh, you know, and we and we work we work with places where where everybody watches the door to see what the chief decision maker of the day, what kind of mood they're in. Yeah. That will determine how we go about our work for that day. Right. right? Everybody avoid them. Don't go near him. You know, yeah. or oh, he's in a good mood. Now's the time to present some ideas and some proposals. Yep. And that that unreliability, even in your your demeanor and your mindset and in your your outlook on life, 
creates hesitation and, and disrupts the ability for your team to perform at a high level. Yeah, and if you want to see that at a real visceral level, uh, be uh, with a client on paycheck day when um, something happens, it's, it's a computer error. You know, I've, I've been in stores where it's a computer error and the checks were not deposited the day that they were supposed to be deposited and, and immediate loss of trust, um, you know, just uh, everything coming unglued and unhinged in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, they, they, they had to rely on, you know, really uh, their, their uh, room and board at that point, right? Uh, they, they could not count on that coming through because of what had happened with the team at work. Um, and and I, th I think that, you know, again, I keep trying to drive it back to these, you know, sort of life or death events, but it's, you know, it's, it's more basic than that, right? Like a, like a customer coming in the door and saying, man, you know, Billy Bob is just such a nice guy, but he has never got my order right as long as I've been coming here. And I, oh, there's a new place across the street. I think I'll try them out. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it happens that quickly. He's nice guy, but he's not reliable. He's not leading me as a customer. Right. Well, and as, and as a leader, you may create situations where you're seen as unreliable inadvertently. Yeah. So if I say, hey, listen, uh, this, was a, this was a great conversation. I'll follow up with you later in the week. Yeah. Well, maybe we had this talk on Monday. Thursday rolls around. I'm thinking, he forgot. We're yeah. not going to have the conversation. It was just words. Right. He's not sincere. And in your mind, you're thinking Friday afternoon would still fall in the parameters of later this week. So, yeah. so and, and even if I do it, right, I've, I've now created this, this little bit of dissonance between what I was thinking you meant versus what you, you thought you meant. Yeah. And, and, so and it's, it's that, that Plato's phrase of uh, good and solid you know, solid is something you can lean on, right? Mm -hmm. And and it may be solid for you, but if you haven't told me that it's there and I can I can lean over on it, you know, if, if it's dark enough that I can't see that thing to lean over on, I, I don't have any reliability factor with you at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, the smallest thing, I'll circle back with you. Yeah, honor commitments is, is a lot of what this boils down to. And I'm, I'm parroting the, the thin book of trust there, uh, which is, uh, something you and I have used uh, with with clients before I know, and they have four elements of trust. And, you know, it, it starts with, um, I, I can't remember if they use the phrase uh, competence or proficiency, uh, this idea that, you know, can my boss do it? Can I, can I trust my boss to do it? Yeah, but will he do it? And that's where right. reliability comes in. Re reliability is he will honor that commitment. So this is a will issue. And it probably is going to take some intentionality on your part, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Leader, if this is not something you've thought through to, you know, keep a list, uh, you know, ha have some way of tracking whether or not you have made a promise that you need to go deliver on. Right. Well, and I, I think you know, if you're going to make commitments, make specific commitments. Ooh, I like that. So that people know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Right, I'll circle back with you versus let's get to back get let's get back together Wednesday at three o'clock. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's good. And that's and, good. and if you and it's okay, right? The the whirlwind scoops you up as a leader. It's perfectly fine if we have to change it. You know, just let the person know that hey, it, you know that meeting we were supposed to have Wednesday at three. I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to find another time that works for us and keep that commitment. 
So yeah. it's, it's it's not like you you know you, you have to act like the the reality doesn't exist, but you do have to be reliable within that reality. Yeah, and and, and people are understanding about that. So yeah, this one is this one from a leadership standpoint is. I can see why it's universal and I can also see why it's number one. It's foundational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and again, if you, if you need a little fuel to the fire here, um, your customers are experiencing the reliability factor that you're giving to your team. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it, it's a culture that is cascaded down through the organization, right to the end user. And, uh, I, I once, uh, had the experience of, uh, you know, showing up at a shop that opened like, I, it was like 90 minutes later than their sign said they opened. And the guy had the audacity when I was asking him, you know, how's business? And he said, well, you know, we're, we're a small shop and we're trying to keep people out of the malls, you know, try, you just got to educate the idiots. And I'm thinking, educate the idiots. We can't even trust that you're going to be open. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a reliability issue, right? That's, that's um, for, for whatever reason that that was a trust factor broken um, and it spilled through the entire organization. So, oh yeah. Uh, so don't let your customers see it. Right. Don't let your customers see it. Don't let the people you're leading. Uh, you and I were on a project many, many years ago, and and we'd have a conference, and they would be showing us some slides, and everybody would be feverishly writing down everything on the slides because it was really good stuff. Yep. And then the person you know leading the group would go, "Don't bother writing anything down. We're going <laughs> to send you the slides." <laughs> Sure. Never, never in all those years, never got the slides, <laughs> you know, and it was, it wasn't the end of the world, but it took that little chink out of the, the reliability, you know, the, the, the leadership qualities, these, yeah, they say that they never do it. Yep. Uh, what else are they going to say that they're never going to do? Right. And, and so, so that's such a small thing. Uh, but People are your your people. The people following you uh, are listening. They are paying attention, and they are counting on you for for things I've big and a, small. I've seen a lot of mergers go poorly. I've seen one merger go rapidly successfully, and the the thing that was said to me was they've kept every promise they've made. Mm -hmm. They yep. were reliable. Yeah, that's the uh, the trust dividend, as they say. There you go. Right. The, you know, things are faster, smoother, less expensive. Yep. No trust tax. Love it. No trust tax. Excellent. Excellent. This was wonderful. I'm looking forward to the, the next seven. So let's see how excited our announcer is about all of this. Mm, about the same, I guess. Yeah, probably not a lot of change. And there you have it. Another session of contemporaneous extemporizing from Mark and Mike. I know it's redundant, but consider who we're talking about. As always, feel free to share the ideas you heard here. No right to reserve, no permissions needed. Thanks. See you next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius.